Welcome, I'm David Tan, PhD, and for over the past 10 years I've been helping hundreds of thousands of people in over 87 countries attain success, happiness, and fulfillment in life and love. And welcome to a special uh, class. I think I will make this presentation a, like a prologue to what I was going to get into. Um, so I'm glad we spent a few hours um, getting to know each other here in the room and then figuring out where you're at. It's really important for me to get to figure out where you're at. And one of the things I figured out where you're at is um, that if you're still coming from uh, or you know me as like helping you learn how to pick up girls or attract women or however you want to call it, however you want to call that. Um, and then uh, you're wondering how the more recent material on like on clinical psychology, developmental personality psychology, rather than like the pickup artists use two types of psychology, social psych and evolutionary psych, and that's pretty much it. And um, I've been drawing mostly in the past few years on all these other from other areas of psychology. So if you know psychology, you'd know the difference. And one of the questions that comes up is, how will this help me meet women? <laughs> so I just want to put that to rest, that um, how I came to it as a way of answering, of getting better at answering that question, um, that learning the clinical psychology is actually coming out of the journey of making myself more sexually attractive and ultimately finding out that that journey or that, that uh, that desire was in itself part of the problem. <clears throat> so even now, I wouldn't, so there's some, there's some good advice in pickup. Things like you should stand in a certain way. I mean, I've taught that before. I used to have a formula from, for it, a back, broad, up, in, breathe. It was how you stand. Um, shoulders back, chest uh, broad, uh, have your chin up, um, stomach in. Right now I'm a little bloated from all the uh, protein and caffeine. Um, and, uh, and, the, and uh, a breathe. And so you, you, that's good musculature. It's good posture to have. And the voice, make it slow and smooth when you're talking to women. Otherwise, in all cases, project well with resonance and strengthen your voice. These are all good things to learn. <clears throat> and then, of course, on top of that, there are the more obviously, maybe the things that I've been attacking previously, which are things like uh, routines, openers, and, and that sort of thing, like having pre-scripted um, things to say. And also, like just detaching emotionally from the whole relationship or interaction so that you don't get hurt and all this other stuff. And there are some pickup tactics that are more obviously manipulative and, <clears throat> and bad psychologically, and you might think that that's what I'm attacking. But I'm attacking the entire enterprise of it because even things like giving you advice on how to stand in a certain way, there, uh, there's a minority of people for whom, or guys, that, or in people, for men and women, who could benefit from body language advice, vocal tonality advice, and all of this. And um, I actually picked it up pretty quick. So I was like in an overlap group where it was bad for me, but I picked it up quickly. And the people who, do, who, who could benefit from this in a healthy way are those who generally pick it up quickly. And quickly as in you just get exposed to it once and you learn the, the technique or the teaching in whatever, 15 minutes or an hour, and then right away after that you can apply it. So in other words, um, like just standing up straight, that's a good piece of advice, right, from people in general. And if you're like, oh yeah, stand up straight, okay, done. Standing up straight, great. But then most of the people, I, most of the guys I work with have trouble implementing that. So I get them to wall stand, in other words, stand up against the wall and they set their back straight and all this. And then the next day I see them slouching again. Um, or they feel like, oh, this is very stiff. This isn't me. And they don't, they're not comfortable. They're not able to talk that way. They're not able to operate that way. <clears throat> and this is a sign of a deeper problem. 
And one way to do it is, and what pickup coaches do, is to just bash them over the head with this, right? So, well, you just need to do it more. Or the guys who, in other words, there's another example that's more common, I guess, is cold approaching, right? So the guys who get good at cold approaching. Now, there are ways of teaching cold approaching. Say this, do this, and don't do this, and go ahead, go do it. And there are some people who implement it quickly. I've had the joy of working with um, several individuals. There, there are that few who pick it up that quickly, as, as quick as I'm talking about it. Several individuals, and generally they're the ones who paid $15,000 or more to work with me. And ironically, they were the ones that required the least amount of work for me. And they were just really smart. And basically what they had was that everything else in life figured out, and they just needed, they thought that there was a big issue, because this is how really successful people approach things. They, they think it's a big issue, and they're willing to spend a lot of time to fix this issue. Those people get shit done. And they're usually in the right frame of mind. So if I say, well, use a pink elephant here, and that'll really help. He's like, okay. That night he tries it and gets results. He gets late or whatever it is that he was looking for. And that guy, just you needed a little tactic. And I had lots and lots of these little, lots and lots of these little tactics. But the vast majority, well over 90% of the people I work with, well over 90%, need a lot more work to do to use this. And even little tips like speak in a downtone. So instead of saying to somebody, um, are there any seats available? You say, are there any seats available? See, that's an uptone, right? And then I say, don't ask questions like that if you want them to take you seriously and to obey you and to follow what you're saying. Say, with a downtone, are there any seats available? Or another one that comes up is like, let's go, instead of let's go. Right? Just a little subtle difference. And then the guy goes, okay, speaking of downtone, then you, you go out or you bring him up on the stage and you drill it and he can't even do it in the drill. And there's that disconnect. And what's happening there is, is actually a deeper psychological problem that can't, that's not just a little tip that they can implement. And uh, if all you're looking for are little tips, the internet is replete with them. Uh, the wonderful thing about the information age is that every two days, this is something from Eric Schmidt, uh, one of the, the ex-CEO of Google. Um, I think he said this in the early 2000s. He said something like, um, every two days there is more information uploaded on the internet than there, all, there was in all of human history up to the year 2000. And now it's even more. If you Google how many hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every day, it'll astound you. Most of it's never seen by anybody except the creators. And um, if you just need little tips and tricks, you could just, there are enough tips and tricks in an airport book by Lyle Lowndes, how to talk to anyone about anything or so whatever, right? That, 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 that will occupy you for years, okay? So, um, but there are some people who literally just need to learn to stand up straight. Okay, whoa, stand up straight. Okay, and then they do it. And there are people who say, well, I say, speak slowly and smoothly. Get in the right emotional state when you speak to somebody like that and you come off sexier. And he's like, okay, slow and smooth. Boom. That day. Done. Never have to talk about it again. Boom. Right? And, and I was one of those people, but I had, so I was like, a, I was comorbid with, with both, uh, where I, I was learning it and I was getting it quick, but I was still just papering over the underlying problem. And the pickup artist's problem is that he ends up putting a false self over like another false self that he's already got. And whereas the person who's just looking for tips and tricks just is literally say, looking for, oh, stand up straight. I didn't know that. Now I know it. And I don't have to deal with it anymore. He literally just needs to hear it once. And if that's you, you probably aren't watching this. Okay. And I've, like I said, I've had the joy of working with people like this, but there are very few and far between. And just and here's another statistic for you. Out of all of the guys who start learning pickup, Less than 5% of them will actually finish the journey and actually get really good at cold approach pickup. 
And there's another reason for the, the reason for that is because they don't actually fix the underlying problem. They just address the symptoms. So the reason why when you try to stand up straight, you feel stiff and unnatural, and this puts you in a new personality that you don't like, and that's very hard for you to think creatively in, is because you're actually dealing with deep-rooted issues of shame and low self-esteem. And now we're just adding a whole other layer of fakery on top of the, way, the fakeness that you have been living in, the fake self that you've been having. I've made a whole other video uh, um, addressing a related issue, and that was called, um, that is called, Why Game Has Fucked Us Up. I think this, Why Game Is Fucking Us All Up. There are various variations on this. <clears throat> and this video will, will touch on some of those issues, so that's a good one to watch. But it's, it's going to cover quite a bit more. So, but I wanted to point out, to start off, that um, the whole enterprise of teaching a guy pick up tricks or even good tips like to stand in a certain way and to walk and move in a certain way and to speak with a certain type of voice, they're generally good, but only if you can implement them easily. If you have to exert a lot of effort um, to learn those things, to switch your voice, to stand in a new way, to move in a new way, um, then you're actually putting, in order for you to do that, if it will require the exertion or cold approach, learning to learn cold approach pickup, if, you, if doing this, learning this, requires a lot of time and effort on your, on your, um, uh, your side, um, it's, a, it's a sign that there's a, there are deeper psychological issues that you're not addressing. So if you actually get these deep psychological issues addressed, what will happen? Well, and this is, you know, you might have heard of natural game before. And that's usually somebody that the way that I used to use that many years ago was to just say was was in this way. And I was always a natural game proponent, which was that you internalize what you're learning. So you want to get to the point where speaking slowly and smoothly and standing straight and moving deliberately and slowly and smoothly and uh, generally as your default and having witty things to say and having things off the top of your head and spontaneously um, creative things and flirty things and being able to drop pink elephants and things like this. Um, to, to, to actually get to that stage, um, if you were to go about it the old way of imposing it from the outside, it will, most people fail at that. Um, whereas if you were to learn, if you were to become psychologically integrated and mature, then you wouldn't need to attend to any of those things. You would speak how you want to speak. You would walk and talk and move and how you just naturally want to walk and talk and move. You would be yourself, right? I'm just saying this for emphasis. I don't know how many guys are actually paying attention. <laughs> and whereas the other way was um, of being natural, was internalizing an outside external set of rules that you're trying to now stuff into your brain so that you do it naturally. And, and the idea is if you do it enough times, you'll do it naturally. That's called internalizing. And that's actually basically the process for pickup artists who internalize it that way, the process of becoming a new false self. And a good example of a false self that later became an adaptive self is my old blog, which you will, never, you will not find on the internet anymore. And I still get requests. David, where is the challenge screening article? David, where is the believability article? And so many of these other articles. And it's sort of, I wish I, we, we obviously have saved those the data, right? <laughs> um, but uh, um, I made the decision uh, relatively recently um, to, to remove the site because 
it was giving, it was giving guys, sending them down the wrong path. And I didn't want to be responsible for that. So there's, if you're like one of the 3% or maybe even 1% um, of people who are just looking for tips that they can implement immediately, you don't actually need the website. You could, with enough um, resourcefulness, you'd find everything, all the information you want somewhere for free on the internet. Okay, that's how powerful the internet is. It's going to become even more difficult to have an information product business as we go forward. But that's one of the things. And so I don't feel bad about withdrawing that information for the 1% of people that, could, that would actually use it in a healthy way. Instead, most people use it as a, a way of putting on a new false self. And my false self was called, I gave it a name. In fact, if you can find your, identify, and I'll get to this later on in this series, um, if you can identify the various parts in you, and we all have various parts of our, in ourselves, and you can give it a name. You know, this is something Tony Robbins likes to do in his, uh, in his sessions, in his trainings, um, that you give it a name. After you've called it out, you've anchored it, you give it a name. You denote it with a, a term that you can call it out, then it becomes an easier way of, uh, bringing that part out. So I gave it a name not even knowing any of the psychology because it was a handle because everybody's fake in the PUA world. Back in those days, nowadays when, when you want to make money, you come out with your real name, right? Because it's too easy to search people on the internet so they know they're going to get outed anyway. But back in the old days, you always had a handle, right? So you're on some creepy forum. No one's their real selves. You all have an avatar that's got nothing to do with the real you, right? And then you have a cool name like, I don't know, forum handle or something like that, right? Or like Tokyo PUA or something, right? So I came up with a cool name because back then I was, my identity was really caught up in being Asian and all that, so I called it the Asian rake. Of course, I learned the word rake from Thomas, uh, Robert Greene's book, uh, Art of Seduction, which is a great book for learning how to be a fake self. And um, so, you know, Asian rake. So who was I? I was an Asian rake. So when I was with women, I wasn't David Tan, I was an Asian rake. And it became easy, actually, to think of myself that way so I could learn things faster. So who was rejected? I wasn't rejected. Asian Rake got rejected. And Asian Rake doesn't give a shit about rejection, so he laughs it off. So it's very easy to do this. And then you get better, you get better really quickly. If you can create an alter ego and put that out there like Batman and Bruce Wayne or whatever, then Bruce Wayne doesn't get the hit, Batman did. And it's a great way of distancing yourself, distancing yourself from your true self even further. But already... The David Tian that I was back then was already um, another adaptive self. And it becomes an adaptive self. A false self becomes an adaptive self when you see it as a false self. And you now are able to control it. You're able to call it out when it's necessary or when it's needed. And you're able to put it to rest when it no longer is necessary or it's no longer needed. But most people have no clue about false selves and true selves and adaptive selves and all these other parts in them. So they're at, they, they just become that person by taking on, like acting basically, the taking on the body language and the eye contact and tonality of that character that they are, um, given their environment. So they're one way with their parents. They're one way at work. They're one way when they're at the clubs and bars and want to look cool and pick up chicks. They're maybe another way on the date. Then they're another way with their buddies at beer. They're different, all these different instances as a new self, but they're doing it unreflectively and they're doing it without being in control. And, they do, and, the, and a part of them doesn't see them as different selves. It sees it as one unitary self, but that unitary self is, is changing all of the time. And I'll get into why the pickup artist's false self is especially dangerous. And that many guys who are in that, world, many as in the vast majority, I mean like over 90% of the guys I know who, are, who are got into that world and got good at it, are still very much caught up in their false selves. And um, I know because I, you know, I, I knew it from, that, from the other side and I'm still in the process at, at 41 years old of becoming my true self and inhabiting that more often. 
Um, and then being able to bring out other, sal- other parts of me, depending on the circumstances and when it's needed. So sometimes the Asian rake will make his appearance when I want to seduce my wife again, you know, and make it a sexy night or whatever, you know, or just for fun, because it's fun. Um, and, but it's not a part that I wish was me. Back then I did, of course. Back then when you're a pre-pickup artist, you don't like the self that you are. There are parts of you you don't like, like the, the nerdy part, the geeky part, the part that's insecure, the part that can't speak, the part that whatever, doesn't look cool, whatever that part that's been shamed and that you're ashamed of, right, and that you want to change in order to be more attractive to women. And so you're willing to do all of this changing at the essential level of the self to get the women, to get the validation to feel good about yourself because, in fact, the self that you were before, you weren't too proud of. And... Um, what happens is that the, what you, you replace one false self with another. And um, then you really hope to God, because you don't know that you're actually replacing false selves. You just think you're becoming a better version of yourself. Every time I hear that phrase, it's actually, you know, literally speaking, there's nothing wrong with it. But every time it's being used, it's usually being used to manipulate you, you know, like become a better version of yourself. And one way that, you know, pickup artists love that phrase now, because you're becoming a better version of yourself by dressing differently, changing your body language, changing the way you talk and walk and, and the words you use. And what's the most dangerous about that is if you, if you want that new self to actually be you. And I'll get into the details of that. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can get to it fully today. I'll begin it and then we'll continue it um, in the next session. But what's dangerous is when the pickup artist or when the, when the guy hopes that, and he, he really wishes and desires that the, the, seductive part, the seductive self is his real self. And how does he know whether the, whether the seductive self is really, has it reached the better version of him yet? How does he know? Well, if he's a seductive self, but all the girls he talks to turn him, uh, turn him down and he's, got, he's not getting laid and no girls like him, well, then he's... That's evidence. It's a metric he's using to say, I have not yet succeeded in becoming my better seductive self yet. So what is the metric? Well, when this hot girl, it's got to be HB10 or something like that, um, returns his, his affection. And now it's, it, that, that shows that he is indeed this seductive self that he's been hoping that he's, he will become this entire time, this whole process. And when that's the case, then he's now thinks he can rest because I got the girl. This is a common myth, right? Now I got the girl. I don't need to learn anything more. I don't need to better myself. And he hopes to God that he's become natural at the game, so, which means that he hopes all of the, the body language, tonality, eye contact, the lines, the, the witty comebacks, that that's all internalized in his brain. He doesn't have to think about it. It's just there. And sometimes it is. It was for me. I didn't have to try anymore. But all that meant was I didn't have to try to be the false self that I was already because right? I, was, I was a false self. Right? And all of these guys are false selves. And they hope to God that that false self is their true self. That that seductive, charismatic, attractive guy, that girl, which is proof that he is in fact attractive, that that is his real self. And his metric for determining this is whether that girl likes him or whether enough hot girls like him. And now he's, he's made it. He's the hot guy or whatever, right? He's a sexually attractive, naturally attractive man. But, all, but he forgot that, that it was actually the result of him actually putting on a whole other facade, a new personality. Because right? it's one thing to say, stand differently, talk this way, and you just do it, because that's not an essential part of who you are. But when it's an essential part of who you are and you change that, that's, when, that's why guys find it so difficult. Because it's not very difficult. And it's funny because you see these guys who are like really intelligent, like general intelligence is very high. I get a lot of guys whose IQs are pretty high and they're in high power jobs and pay a lot, right? 
and uh, they're, they're smart guys. And yet, you tell them to say the dramatic direct opener, which is like the best opener ever. It is literally three sentences. Three fucking sentences, right? And they've done nuclear science, okay? So, you know, they passed high school, okay? So you can do three singular sentences, right? Yeah, and just throw in a few pauses. Can you do that? Yeah, great. Okay, go. And then it just horrible, just bombs. And it's like, is, is this an English as a second language issue? Like, what's, no, it's got no, then, and then sometimes in even just reading it, they can't even say the line. Like, like a script reading, they can't even do it. What is, what's going on here? Well, they see that their, their essential self, that that's their false self, actually, see these, actually sees these changes as affecting the essential elements of that self. So for him to actually successfully be the player guy, the sexually attractive, naturally attractive guy, he'd actually have to change the self. And that's the, the successful journey is to change the false self into another false self. So why do I say, so that's, you know, period, line, next section. Why do I say that you were originally a false self? Well, that's the really deep stuff. That for most of the people, especially in Singapore, that I uh, interact with, or actually interacting with me as a false self. And if you had met me three or four years ago, you also would have been interacting very likely with uh, one of my false selves. Um, I now consider them adaptive selves because I use them for particular purposes uh, or instances. So, for instance, when I need to get, when I would like to get a free upgrade at the airport or, you know, a hotel, I become a different self, to, you know, and see if it works. But, you know, because these are selves you bring out and you use. Um, but then they have their own needs. And I'll get into this way um, later for you guys in a couple of days, but further down that series. But um, I don't want to give away too much of that yet. And first look at why I would say that before while you were a nice guy, while you were the guy who went blank when you talked to a, a beautiful woman, the guy who had a crippling approach anxiety, or even just a lot of approach anxiety, uh, when you wanted to talk to a, a hot girl, um, that guy, that guy who didn't find it very easy to just change just like that after learning um, that he should change, um, that guy, that that guy is actually also a false self, and that in fact, you have been inhabiting one or more false selves for most of your life. <clears throat> and then that is the reason why you are having trouble attracting people. And sexual attraction can actually work for pickup artists because their false self triggers her false self. And those false selves fall in love, but not really love. It's, it's a neurotic kind of love. It's a vampiric kind of love. And that's, a, that's another real danger to this whole process where you take on a false persona, complete with lines, thoughts, beliefs, a belief structure, affirmations that you say every day to install beliefs like she wants me every fucking day into your brain so that you think, oh, I naturally, yeah, she wants me, right? But this is not done in, in the way that is actually emotionally healthy. It's done in a way that imposes a new false self onto you. And of course, all of the way you look and move and all that other good stuff. And then that will attract the female version of that. So this is what I call the perfect pairing, or the, imper like the, the perfect victim-predator couple. And the, uh, one way to think about them is, and to connect it with earlier material I've made, is the fixer. Um, I made a video that's helped a lot of guys called the uh, white, well, the white knight syndrome is, I forget the exact title, but it had the terms white knight syndrome in it. And um, this is the de describing that person, the, the fixer, the guy who's got a hero complex, the rex rescuer, um, what most women see as the nice guy, and they, when they say that, they mean that in a derogatory way, um, the codependent in a certain way, 
Codependence is a big concept here, but it has overlaps. And this is a guy who basically, he takes responsibility for the emotions of other people. Okay, so that's like the clinical definition of it. Um, and, and I'll get into why this is the case. But these are basically boundary violations. And a guy like that can, will attract a predator, a predator female. Uh, you can think about this in, in that way, the fixer male, predator female, but it works in the opposite as well, different genders. And the predator female uh, is a, a great way of thinking about predator dis personality disorders. So these include narcissists, egotists, borderline personality disorders, um, it also includes histrionics, sociopaths, psychopaths. And they do the opposite. They make others responsible for their emotions without taking responsibility for themselves. And if you want to read the clinical description of them, um, just Google DSM-5 or DSM-V, Cluster B Personality Disorders. Okay, and that's in the Diagnostics Institute. Uh, the, well, the DSM manual. <laughs> okay, so what's really important to understand is they're both feeding on ego supply. So the codependent fixer or the white knight, the guy who wants to get better with women and finds it difficult to do that, okay, versus, versus the 3% or maybe 1% of guys who they just learn it, they just learn that they should stand up, you know, and stand a certain way and they just do it. No need to train it or whatever, right? Everybody else I'm talking about who has to exert a lot of extra effort, they're, um, that nice guy, the guy who um, takes responsibility for the emotions of other people, who's used to having his boundaries violated, that guy is actually the flip side of a narcissist. He's actually, gonna, he's actually a compens... He, he, he's the codependent who then, in the process of becoming a pickup artist or a player or a naturally attractive, seductive man, actually becomes a narcissist himself. We, in, in the clinical liter literature, this is called the compensatory narcissist. That is, like, he's a second-nature narcissist. He's a later-in-life later narcissist. And uh, that's what the Asian rake was, a later-in-life narcissist. And that would only attract bigger and bigger predators. All right, so at the beginning, when you're not very good at game, you're going to attract some psycho girls, but they're going to be just like this much psycho. And the better you get at game, the more psycho the girls get. If you don't believe me, just look through YouTube. All these guys who are like going on there, like pickup guys, the, the more they're in the field, like the, the longer they're on this, the more crazy the girls get. And then they start posting like how to dr uh, do drama on her to get her hooked and all this really um, unhealthy stuff. And this is all because they actually were narcissists to begin with, but they weren't very smart narcissists. In other words, when you're a nice guy, you're still trying to manipulate people, but you're just not very good at it. So you're not really getting what you want. Whereas if you were a good psychopath, well, you'd get everything you want because you know how to read people and you know how to, um, you know how to, you're smart enough, you know how to get things from, by manipulating people. But both parties, they really want ego supply or uh, narcissistic supply is the term. And that's whatever feeds the ego. And you might think, oh, now David's on the ego thing, but hold, stay with me for a, sec for a second here because it gets deeper than this. The preferred, the preferred source of ego supply for predatory um, disordered individuals like the, the, the cluster B type of women, the sociopaths and, and so on, they, like flat, they feed off flattering attention. They feed off the admiration of others. They feed off applause and adoration. They see the ego supply as an end in itself, not for something else that they're going to use it for. Okay, so they actually feel better about themselves when they get the attention, the admiration, the approval of other people. And you'll see why 
the nice guy, the aspiring pickup artist, or the guy who's trying to learn how to, like trying, like it takes a lot of effort for him to learn how to be a player, is actually the same thing. He just sucks at it, okay? And he's learning how to be a good predator. Um, because he too, what he really wants isn't sex. So to the women who are watching this, you know, I, there's about 10%, 20% of women who watch my videos, that the guys um, actually don't just want, they're not just horny dudes. They're, just not, they're not just after pussy. Because if they were smart, they'd realize there are ways of getting that sex without going through all of this hassle of learning all of this and pick up stuff, right? You can just pay for it. But they refuse to do that for whatever moral reasons, but mostly because they don't feel like they earned it. They want to earn it because somehow if they earn it, it's purer. The sex is purer in some way, right? So what's going on there? Well, they want the flattering attention. They want her to give him the admiration because if she likes him, that means he's better as a human being. He's a better man. He's a better seductive guy. And that's what he thinks he needs to be in order to be loved, in order to finally feel worthy and have self-esteem. And that's a mis big misunderstanding about aspiring pickup artists, that they, people think that they're just, they're just like sexual predators. They're, they're actually not after sex. A lot of pickup artists, when they get to the deed, before they go through the intercourse, actually lose their erection. Because the whole point of it was that to get her to the point where she says yes to the sex, and to, to plow through the LMR, the last minute resistance, and then to get in there. And once he's in there, yes, now he can write a lay report. And that means he got another one. Yeah, that means he's, a, he's like leveled up, right? He's like a video game, like he leveled up from level one to two now, because he got another victim. Of course, he, he would always deny this, but now just ask them and find out, if you Google far enough, how many of these guys have erectile dysfunction when they actually do the deed, when they're going, for, going, going after it as a pickup artist, because they're really just looking for the ego supply. And it's also misunderstanding predatory women. You think all these girls who are wearing revealing dresses and all this are there because they're horny, right? That was, that was like the misunderstanding of very conservative people thinking they had to rein in the, the, the sexually, rampant sexual desires of these club girls. Um, actually, no. <laughs> uh, if they just wanted to have sex, they don't have to do anything, really. They just got to say, they don't even have to dress up. You'd fuck them. I mean, you guys are... <laughs> they just show up in their regular dress, you know, what do they, they have to compete with the other girls. And what they need is ego supply. They got to get the guys fawning over them. Even when they reject you, they feel good doing it because that means it's like fishing, sport fishing. They got one and threw it back in. All right, so what is all of this? Where, is this? where am I going with this? So just to, to remind you, the unconflicted person, the person who is integrated, who is mature, who's not dealing with issues around um, approval, attention, who's not frozen in the face of somebody who he wants to impress, who doesn't have to think extra hard or really focus on what he's saying, that guy will be his most attractive and most, more importantly, most fulfilled self when he actually goes through the therapeutic process. If he doesn't do it that way, all he's doing is delaying the process of, just, of finding happiness and fulfillment. And in other words, all the pickup stuff is really just a way to save him money. Because if he's really just there for the sex, the ego won't ever get supplied. The ego won't ever be satisfied in the pickup process. Only the penis will. Okay, but you basically spent all this time and effort and emotional turmoil learning how to stand straight and speak in a certain way and to use your face in a certain way, which, come on, let's be fucking honest. How is it possible that 95% of these guys who started out on it say fail? 
If it's supposed to be so easy, the way I'm talking about it, the way these VSLs, autoplay VSLs say it's so easy, effortless, just say three words, ask her these three questions and she's yours. Why isn't everybody doing it then? What's well, all? Now, you, you listening? Right, it's because it wasn't ever for that. It was for how can I be somebody different from who I am now because I don't like who I am right now. And it wasn't really about sex. It was about the fact that they weren't getting the approval of them and attention and admiration. Why do you think they get frozen with fear when they're talking to a girl? Because they're worried what she'll think. That's their problem. That's why they need therapy. That's why we all need therapy because we worry about what she thinks. Once you don't need therapy anymore in the sense of you've gone through enough of maturation, you say whatever you're thinking. Because whatever you're thinking is okay. Even if it's a horny thought. It's a thought you're having. And if you're having it, the most honest thing is if, if, you, if you're going to say anything at all, is to say that. Now, of course, all of these guys who are very immature are going to say, what, so I just go around saying, fuck you, bitch, because that's what I'm thinking? Yeah, actually, that would be better for society. Then we can identify the really creepy guys fast. <laughs> but also, you know you're creepy. Because right now, you're walking around pretending you're okay, you're like, you're a nice guy. But you're a fucked up guy. And if the faster you discover that you're a fucked up guy, because everyone runs from you, the faster you can seek therapy. And it'll be a signal to everybody else to say the fuck away from you. So the only person who would not want to reveal what he's really thinking is the person who's having evil thoughts. And if you're having evil thoughts and you, don't, and you don't want to have evil thoughts, the faster you go see a therapist and figure out why you have so many evil thoughts, the better. Rather than holding it in and pretending to be a good person when you're not. This is just, this is getting, the more you distance yourself from your true self, the more dissatisfaction and lack of fulfillment you'll find in your life. And no amount of fucking or girls liking you will solve any of that. It'll just distract you. I was distracted for years with that. And at the end of it, because I'm a, I'm a pretty existential thinker, I suppose. I, you know, I was a professional philosopher. You know, I did it for a fucking living as a professor. Um, so, you know, eventually I kept encountering this. And I guess if you were not too smart, you'd just go around like another dog and just keep eating the next meal. And eventually you'd die. And so I, I imagine there are some people who like that, who aren't just, they're just not too smart. And so they never ask the deeper questions. But if you're intelligent, and I really only speak to intelligent people, you know, masculinity for the intelligent man, right? <laughs> you're going to be asking these questions. You're going to be wondering, why is my life so empty? Why, am I, why is it that no matter how much pussy I get, no matter how much adulation I get, it's never really enough to rest. I have to keep going back for it. And sometimes they get into, here's the biggest mistake, right? Well, the biggest mistake that will, well, the mistake that will waste a couple of years of his life is that he thinks that the girl that he's, who likes him back uh, that they get into a relationship and then he can rest and go back and become himself. But actually, he's either going to rest and become his false player self, you know, so if I could reside as the Asian rake, you know, all the time then, and live as that false self, hoping that that's my true self. Because I plan to live in that self for the rest of my life, right? And then that, that is a recipe for disaster in terms of mental health and wellness. Or he hasn't internalized those lessons, so he, he was just a fake pick a bar superficially and then he reverts back to when he relaxes and just wants to kick back and, and play some video games or watch Game of Thrones he goes back to his nerdy self which he wasn't really proud of and then what happens is the girl loses respect for him starts picking on him and then she, he, he calls that drama and all this other shit happens and then he's like oh fucking bitches right and so that either way you're fucked either way you're going to have to get some therapeutic help okay so this is the reason why I'm, I'm focusing on these sorts of concepts the, the, the deeper psychology 
So these predatory women are also at it for ego supply. You know, they're not just after it for sex. Because if a woman just wanted sex, she wouldn't have to try at all. In fact, she wouldn't even have to go into a nightclub. Because <laughs> right? the guys in the nightclub, they're, uh, you know, kind of whatever. But she could just go to the gym or whatever her fetish is and say, hey, you want to get some nookie in the back? And the guy would be like, okay. <laughs> right? There's actually studies on this where they actually had girls walk up to guys and proposition them. Right? Like it's like 100%. <laughs> guys are like, okay, let's do it. No one's going to find out. Yeah, let's go. And it was like the opposite when the men did it. <laughs> so anyway, so it's really easy for women. Women don't dress up and go, get all slutty in the club to get sex. That, that might be the cherry on the top at the end for her, um, but often she's not even going to be into the sex. It's just to get the, the ego, the narcissistic supply of the admiration of others, the attention, the applause, the, the, um, the desire of others. And... Um, why this is very dangerous for the pickup artist or the, the, guy, the nice guy trying to be a pickup artist is because he will always lose. And a lot of them have lost. And then there, there are different reactions to this. The two main reactions to losing that battle with the predator is to become, well, there are two. One is you take my route, which is then you, you really soul search. And you turn your brain on, you go deep, in, and you go really open-minded, you go deep into the... the the literature, the research, that, by the way, is hundreds of years old, okay? Um, but that we just think, oh, that doesn't, you know, we don't, we're not taught it in school, so we just don't think to go there. But the more common, it seems, well, actually, it's, it's, I, after much research now, I believe that it is a very small segment of the market. Um, so I'm not going to really pay any attention to them, really. I used to address them, but I realize it's a small segment. They become bitter, and um, they hate all women. I think this is mostly in America, middle America, sort of with the rise of Trump and all that. It's like hate, hate on women. Um, and, and I understand it. I'm very sympathetic to it. I was close. I was on the brink of making those choices. And for a while, I was going down the bitter route. And it's really important that you stay open-minded and you don't let the anger and hatred consume you because then you've really closed yourself off to any kind of fulfillment. Then it's just eat doggy dog world. And the best you can do is to to you know, emerge victorious over all of this bloodshed, basically, and, uh, and then die, <laughs> having had no rest and real fulfillment in life. And no love, most importantly. You just close yourself off to the most, the most rewarding emotion of all homo sapien life. And the reason he will always lose is because the white knight, or the fixer, and so we're not all white knights, but we're all, everybody who doesn't like their previous self and wants to become a new self, Okay, I can think, think of a better term for that. Let's just call that like mm, um, the, the compensator. Okay. So the compensator. For him, the attention is the means to an end. He's not just getting off just on the attention. Right? He wants her to give him the atten her, attention from her. And then what happens is the, fi the, the fixer, the white knight, the, the compensator becomes more invested in her over time. And if you know my work, you know, and if, or if you know social psychology, you know that the more you get invested in something, the more you value it. This is a cost-worth connection. This is also sunk cost. This is, uh, you get like pot committed. Is that the right term? Pot committed. Okay. And then, you, and then you, you want it more and more. You get more and more attached to it. And then the predator, for her, the attention is the end in itself. She doesn't want his love or his dick or any of that stuff. She just wants primarily attention and approval, and most of all, his admiration. And then she, over time, becomes, over time becomes less invested. 
Right? She cares less because it's like a, a, a victim of a vampire. They just keep sucking the blood out. And eventually, there's no more blood left. You just basically bled this victim dry. And the victim, the whole time, still wants to be made into a vampire. But the fucking vampire won't let it. So it just keeps torturing it. And then eventually, there's no blood left. And maybe by that point, it'll turn the damn human into a vampire. And, and now we have a fucking vampire. Okay, so then what happens? Like, basically, if you stay with the pickup artist route, your best solution is to get the hottest girl you can find, right? That's what they're always trying to do. Hottest girl, whatever that means to you. You're HB10. And when you get her, you think you've done. You're done. Sort of like the Neil Strauss, the game, right? What was the climax of it? He found an HB10 that he couldn't get before, right? who played with his emotions, played push-pull, and now he's like... Before, all the girls he banged, he just like dropped because you know, they were, he could get them. But the one who couldn't, he couldn't get with all of his skills, that's the one who triggered his fixer. Right? So now he's back on that treadmill. So he's stuck on that. And, uh, well, eventually, she sucks you dry in a bad way. <laughs> and she becomes less invested. What are some examples of flattering attention? Uh, girls who have orbiters. Like guys that they, they friend-zoned, and then they keep around. And you know that that guy wants to have more with her, but she, she orbits. She gets into orbit. Um, so orbit is like you go around and around the planet, but you never land. Okay. So girls who have a lot of those. Okay. Another is girls who make men compete over them. All right, so creating any kind of jealousy. And girls like this really get off when guys fight over them, like physically. And a lot of guys will do that. They're like, I will defend the honor of this lady, some girl he just met, you know, and like get into a fight to defend her. I'm like, dude, you're just a, you're just a compensatory narcissist now. <laughs> like you're, you're becoming that. Um, and, and girls who indulge in seemingly platonic conversation or companionship with other males, knowing that he likes her. Right? And if she's an attractive female, there are going to be a lot of guys like that. And she can have, she has a choice whether to continue stringing them along um, while knowing that it's torturing him, you know, but the predator will do that because what she's after is his attention, his approval, his, his admiration. All right. And what that, what will usually turn a guy is when he gets friend zoned, right? Then he'll be like searching on the internet, how do I get out of the friend zone? Right? And that's how they, sometimes that's how they find me. <laughs> and they look for the free course on how to get out of the friend zone. And I'm in there like, you know, one of the things they say is to go away and then work on yourself. And the, one of the reasons I give them that advice is rather than, hey, here, read this ebook on how to get game and say this, dress this way, work out, you know, all this stuff. So it could be, sometimes they interpret working on yourself as that, right? But what uh, hopefully the working on yourself will really mean is get some fucking therapy, right? Where basically you're, you need to just put yourself out there more as a vulnerable person where you're saying your truth. You will never get friend zoned if you're putting your truth out there. So in other words, if she knows your intentions from the beginning, the guy who gets friends on is the guy who hides his intentions. Right, he's like, oh yeah, we're just friends. Yeah, yeah, no problem, yeah. And then after much inner turmoil, he works up the courage to ask her out or to confess. That's the word I get a lot in Man Up Group. Like, should I confess to my crush? Like, what is this confessing to this crush thing? Oh, oh I see it all the time. Because he's been fucking friend zone for years and it's just weird to suddenly out of the blue say, I see you as more than friends and I've been pining after you and jerking off to your photo for fucking three years. That's weird. So you can't say that. So you now he has to kind of like, how do I put it to her that she's, that I, she's my crush, how do I put it to her? How do I confess? So you know, it's like, all right, right, where would this come from? Well, you are hiding your intentions and you are hiding your true self. Well, if you could 
get to it, but you were hiding the truer self this whole time. Whereas if you met her and you were like, you are gorgeous, right from the get. Whatever you're fucking thinking. Like, you know, and it might be there are other reasons why you can't get together. Maybe she's got a boyfriend and she's loyal and that's cool and you respect that and you say it out loud. Like, you know, like there's no, there's no wondering about your intentions. And now it's whether she's a predator that keeps you around. But if you know that that's the case, you'd only, in an, only if you're psychologically unhealthy would you hang around, you know, knowing that you, you want her, in fact. But you're just waiting, waiting for your, your opportunity to pounce. But you're a weak narcissist. She's always going to win this game. You're like a second nature. You learn the game late in life. She's been doing this since she was a kid, very likely. Like the natural narcissist been doing this since they were young that way. And maybe she figured it out when she was 16. Right? There are many ways that you could turn a woman into a narcissist or into a cluster B personality disorder. Um, you know, all kinds of things. Sexual abuse, incest, all these, all these, all these things would turn them into that. There is controversial research on, on how you could create a psychopath, but all the other stuff is like a lot of really traumatic things could happen to you and your reaction to those traumatic events could turn you that way. And notice that, notice this. Um, the, the nice guy actually has a traumatic event. Whatever traumatic event led him to search on the fucking internet to find me or some other guy who's going to teach him this, that's, the, that's a mini traumatic event. It might even be a huge traumatic event. He might have found out that the girlfriend, his first girlfriend from his college or whatever, cheated on him and that was the big traumatic event. Or it could have been he finally got fed up of being stuck in the friend zone for years and being, having unrequited love forever and he just got fed up and that was the thing that turned him. Where he made the decision, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to be the that other guy, right? And so whatever that was that triggered that, that in both cases, that would cause you to end up taking the narcissistic route. So the, um, we, gotta, we gotta wrap up on this particular one and then I'll continue when we come back. But just to, to preview, what'll happen is if the guy, if the nice guy does learn the game, learn game, he will encounter, if he's getting better, bigger and bigger predators. Right? Using it, like if he's learning it as a false self, um, and he's learning you know, the body language, eye contact, tonality, and then he's you know, actually acting as a false self. He's now using the lines and the routines and the stories, the DHVs, the, what the, what the fuck else did he Oh, el uh, pink elephants, he's all these little devices that he's throwing in there as mechanisms to create attraction. Shit testing, her, you know, and, and seeing push-pull, hot and cold, whatever, all these various, whatever, manipulative techniques. And he's using them all. And then he'll run into one that will actually destroy him in some way. Like that's, that's how they go. And then usually the, what they will try to do is they'll either go bitter. Oh, there's a third route. I'm sorry. So they either go bitter or they go down the therapeutic route. And the third is they just keep doing the same thing. Okay, so they, they rise up again. They put on their pickup artist mantle, get back out there in the field and get their mojo back. Right? And then they, eventually they'll hit the wall again, they'll get fucked over again, and then they'll have to redo that whole cycle. And there are some very well-known professional pickup artists who've gone through this quite publicly, actually. And um, all of that is because they're actually really just going for ego supply, not for sex. Because so, if you were really smart and all you wanted was sex with hot women, you just go to certain places, make enough money that you just go in certain places and get it. For, with a, uh, you know, assuming willing parties on both sides, right? But that's not what they're after. They're not after sex. They're after ego supply on both sides, the woman and the man. And the man ends up becoming, if he gets good, he becomes a compensatory narcissist, not just a compensating nice guy. If he succeeds, all he succeeds in is becoming a narcissist. In other words, he becomes the hot chick in the club. 
You know, the hot chick of the club looks great. She always has the right thing to say. You know, like she's always manipulating people. And she gets up on the stage and she gets all this adoration. And then she can pick whichever guy she wants to, to toy with, basically, and then maybe take home and give him a little ego boost. Um, and now the guy is the girl. The guy is the hot girl. The guy who is the nerdy, geeky guy. He goes through his makeover, spends months and months, or maybe years, learning how to pick up chicks and all that. Now he shows up in the club as the man. Right? And suddenly, he's you know, able to, to call girls over with a look, with maybe a little smirk, maybe a little comment as he walks by, opens that, and then he walks over here, opens that, opens that, and then he sits back, and they start coming to him, and then he starts playing with him. And all of this is the same fucking thing. He's just, it's just like the Neil Strauss, Lisa Leverage ending in the book, The Game. What is the, what is the great apex of, of that book, of, of getting the game? It's the two of them sitting in, I think it was the two of them sitting in, in a party or something, and it was like they were holding court. The king and the queen, and everybody paid obeisance, right? Like, that's just pure narcissistic supply. And that's like, yes. It wasn't like, finally I had sex with this beautiful woman that I'm completely in love with. No, man. It's sitting there in the fucking party with the hot girl next to you, and now you, everyone thinks you're the fucking king. How do I know this? Because over and over and over, I ask guys in all of our programs, what are your goals? And none of them ever say sex with hot girls. It's always how to get the skills to, to attract women. And if they're really honest... Also, the respect of alpha males to dominate others, that's what they really want. And how do we know this? We fucking tested it. Split tested it on the fucking internet. They, you, you're fucking clicking on that shit. I know that's what you want. And it's not just me that's tested. All these other copywriters in the industry have tested this. The two things that will always appeal to these, this market, that will, by the way, it's just 1% of cold, cold traffic, so... You have to keep that in mind. <laughs> um, is the people who are looking for this and will pay for it off of a uh, autoplay VSL, not knowing anything else. You know, one of those ones that doesn't have a stop button and all that shit, right? So what those those videos? I mean, uh, the, uh, those guys. What they're looking for is how do I manipulate? How do I get the skills to get any girl that I want, or a hot like a lot of hot girls? And the second is how do I become the envy of all the other guys? Okay, so both of these goals are narcissistic supply goals. And if you, if you go down that route, because you don't, maybe you don't understand or you don't agree, I would not have agreed with myself now. My previous self would have just been like, yeah, yeah, this is all like airy. For, I don't know. I don't know, actually. I, I, I wouldn't listen too hard. I would just be like, yeah, that's, for, that's, that's somebody else's problem, not mine. Here's a great example of my old ignorance. I read No More Mr. Nice Guy, a really great book by Glover. Um, this is way back in uh, 2009. I got that book, read it as a coach. So in other words, I read it as a description of these guys I was helping. Because I thought, I got no nice guy problems. I can go in there and just like, tell a girl to fuck off. It's no big deal. Right? I'm the man. Right? So, uh, you know, I read, but I read the book as describing someone else I could help. And then that, because of that, it wasn't that great of a book for me. It was like, yeah, there's some stuff I can use here that I can use for exercises for these other guys. And I did. Um, but then I reread it uh, years later, and it was like a few years ago, and it really was like, oh, 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 now I get it. Now I see, like, I didn't understand 70% of that book back then. And it was just because I didn't think that it was describing me. But in fact, it did. But it's sort of like an alcoholic on a bender, right? You're telling the guy, you're a fucking alcoholic, don't you see? And he's like, nah, man, it's just life is good. I'm just having another drink, no big deal. And life is good for him in that moment. It's subjectively experiencing that moment. You got to wait 
for that alcoholic to get off his bender, hit rock bottom, and then you say, dude, look around. Look what you've done. Look what's happened. And then at that point, hopefully, you will have the frame of mind to like, look around and like, holy shit, what did I do to my life? And then you, know, you can get some help. But when he's on that, so maybe you're one of those guys, and maybe you think, David Tian, what a fucking dick, or whatever. Okay, so cool. I mean, I might have said that. So uh, if you keep down this path, I will see you in a couple years, and, and I won't blame you, because I, I did that, in fact, with, that, with the Glover book. And um, so luckily, this, I don't think we'll ever delete this video, so we'll always be here for you. <laughs> but reach out and, uh, and let me know. Um, but we're going to end it here. Uh, just to recap, I went over why the pickup artist route, while it can be helpful to a small percentage, maybe 3%, 5% of guys, who can, you can tell if you're one of those if you can implement it quickly without much resistance. Um, so you just you find out what the body language is and you just do it. No problem, because it hasn't affected your essential you know, self. But if you're having trouble speaking the lines, moving that way, using your eyes in that way, having the beliefs that are congruent with that uh, behavior, then actually what's happening is you're going to have to put on a very different false, a very different self, and that's a false self. Then I went over why the false self is so dangerous, because the narcissist hopes that the false self that they're projecting is their true self. And they would know this only when they get ego supply, when they get narcissistic supply, because that tells them that that false self is working and is them, right? So they don't want to come out of that. Once they start getting the, like, the opposite of ego supply, people start rejecting them, whatever it is, they like, oh shit, I'm just that weak loser that I hope I had left behind back there, the geeky nerd that can't talk to girls, right? And they don't want to be that. So they want to like, come out as like, you know, the superhero pickup guy. And if they keep getting that, re that response, they, then they are that way. And they're like, yes, now I am that guy. I don't have to go back to that guy anymore, yes. And in fact, all they've done is, this is a false self, this defeated, weak, um, self-hating, shamed person here. And this is a false self as well. Um, if you know they're false selves, then you're on the road to recovery and strength and, and integration and maturity. But many people aren't. They have no idea about any of these concepts, unfortunately. So um, they get trapped. And then I, so I talked about the, other, the female side of that. The predator who would be attracted to, the victim who would give her ego supply. Because that guy's ready to give it. He's ready to give, because he can't, in fact, he can't even stop himself from, from giving ego supply. He sees the hot girl and he starts salivating. He'd be like, I'll do anything. I'll even kill other dudes for her. I'll fucking fight of demons and, and dragons to, to rescue this maiden. I'll, that's what I'll do. And she knows it. She sees it in his eyes. And the, the good pickup artist is actually emitting that from his eyes. He's firing those mirror neurons of desire. He'll go through the ends of the earth for her. And then she's like, yes, this is my victim. Come now. And then she just keeps him alive, sucking his blood. Right? Until he's like, oh, please love me. Please tell me that I am the one. Tell me. And she's like, yeah, you are the one. Ha, for now. Ha. Until she sucks all the ego supply she can out of him after maybe months or years. And then she's like, uh, you're done. Right? Because like, yeah, I know you adore me. I know you worship me. I know you'll sacrifice for me. Yeah, I got that. But I knew that way back then. Uh, now on to the big, that, that guy. That's a hot guy over there. Let's get that guy to like me. Then I'll feel good about myself. Or maybe I'll get thousands to like me. Maybe on social media, I want 100,000 likes. <laughs> then I'll feel good about myself. And then the, this goes on endlessly. And this is somebody who has a personality disorder. That is much stronger than the compensatory guy. Because he came on that, that um, malicious side or the, the, the bad side um, later in life. So what'll happen is the nice guy turns into the narcissist. But he's a weak narcissist. He's actually a compensatory narcissist. So he will always lose. Well, he will eventually lose. 
The thing is, okay, just before we go, the compensatory narcissist won't always run into the big predator females. He, he will often, in order to earn the big predator females, he's going to pick the small game. And for those guys, now, now, I know some of you guys can relate to this part because you're still developing, so you haven't met the big game yet. So most of you are still developing. Like I said, 95% of them, guys who start this journey, don't actually succeed. So very likely what you're doing is you're meeting, you're, while you're trying to become the narcissist, the, the predator yourself, you're able to pre be a predator on smaller game. Like, you know, the girl who's a cute girl at the bar who's only there because it's her sister's birthday or something, and she's an easy victim. So you go up there and you say manipulative things, you push pull, you go cocky funny on her, you know, maybe you go direct and go, and then you slap her ass a little bit, and she responds to because she hardly ever gets that or something, or, or maybe she's, you know, sheltered or whatever. And then you bang that one, but then you're never gonna stay with her. She doesn't fulfill you, she's not hot enough, she's not an HP 10, she's only a six, so you're not gonna wife up a six, right? So you, you maybe see her for like 10 dates or whatever, and then you drop her. You get another six, you get another six. And maybe, you know, you, you might know that 10 HB ones does not add up to a 10. Okay, so, so you know, that's all you guys, right? You're like, oh, if I get enough hot girl, if I get enough sixes, that'll fulfill me. And you find out, nope, none of this fulfills me. I'm just fucking girls I don't think are attractive. And so you eventually, you just keep looking for that 10. You keep looking for the big fish. Or you're just never satisfied, right? You just keep dating them sort of one foot in, one foot out. I don't know. And the weak you is going to settle because it's too hard to get through that. Like 95% of the guys give up before they even get to the point where they could seduce that big predator. Where they think they're seducing the big predator. And actually the predator is the one who's turning him into a victim. So he hasn't even earned the right to be her victim yet. He's still feeding on the small game. And you know you're feeding on small game when you keep dating around and, and hooking up with girls and, and quite possibly hurting them, their feelings, but you're not, you don't like them enough to go all in and go commit or be exclusive with any of them or to actually give them what they really want, right? So that's an example of somebody who's trying to become a narcissist, trying to become the predatory narcissist. So pay attention to that. So all of this is to say, Pay attention to the next video. See you in the next video where I go further into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue for you guys tomorrow. Um, I'm going to get everybody out of here. All right, so thanks so much for listening, watching, uh, wherever you're at. Uh, if you're on the podcast listening, if you're watching on the video, thank you so much. And uh, please leave a comment. Join the private Facebook group. I'll see you inside there. Until then, David Tian signing out. Man up. <laughs> thank you.